welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Amen. I'm going to invite you, if you would, just to grab a seat for a moment. I'm going to invite, um, we've got an opportunity where we love to share in, in our hearts kind of what um, the Lord is doing with people that we support through missions and, and, and different things like that. And this is a local mission that we would call a mission, Raquel coming up here, uh, in the city um, called Embrace. And we absolutely love Embrace. Raquel is going to tell you about Embrace. But um, today I just want you to hear our heart. We love life. We believe in the sanctity of life. Amen. And when I say we believe in the sanctity of life, Scripture is chocked full of before you were even a thought, God knew you and knit you together in your mother's womb. So you, you, are, you are here by design. You are here on purpose. I'm not just talking about here, all right? I'm talking about planet Earth. You are here because God knew you and destined you for this time. And so I just, I want to, I want to just... Say that over you guys. Raquel has an awesome ministry. And then, I'm a, yeah, I'm going to turn it over to you, girl. So you take it away. There you go. Well, I'm part of an awesome team. Let's just put it that way. Um, Embrace has been around about 35 years. We're a pregnancy center. Um, free pregnancy testing, free sonograms. But really, our mission is the John 10:10 principle, to have life, to choose life for your baby, but more importantly, moms and dads, to choose life, eternal life, for yourself. So everything we do is geared towards showing the love of Christ and speaking the truth of who he is and how much he loves the people that walk through our doors. Um, pregnancy centers were started years ago because they found that um, women who are considering abortion, if they see a sonogram and see the baby's heartbeat, it changes perspectives. Um, so um, we have volunteers that come in and share different options that they can have. One uh, testimony that I've got just here recently was Thursday. I received a text from one of our partners. Her name's Julie Samaniego, and she has Circle of Hope Adoption Ministries. And she sent me this text, and I just love it. This was just Thursday. Just wanted you to know that I am working with so-and-so. I believe you gave her my card. She has a beautiful adoption planned with the same family that has the two children that were placed with them through foster care. It's really a wonderful thing. We're not sure how far along she is, though, but I am making a doctor's appointment for her now. God is good. So that's what we think about. Some of the things we use are Bibles. We hand them out left and right. Uh, another thing is, this is the newest, it's kind of cool. It's called The Story of God's Love for You. And it is actually the Jesus Storybook Bible with the pictures taken out of it. So it's very simplistic language. And I gave it to my brother, my 60-year-old brother, three weeks ago. And he read through it and he goes, I understand the love of a father. So I got to pray with him to come to Christ three weeks ago, just from him understanding who his father is. Um, when somebody comes to Christ, we have a big celebration, and we give them a gift bag. And in this gift bag, one of the things besides a certificate, that I tell them, put this on your fridge, because this is what it says. It says, on this day, I gave my life to Jesus. I laid my sin at the cross. I am a child of God, forgiven and set free. Isn't that what we want? We want people free. I know that Jesus died in my place, rose again, and lives at the right hand of God. I have Jesus in my heart and have received the power of the Holy Spirit. 
He guides me into all truth and an abundant life from this day forward. So to, to, that's what we're working to do for all of our people that walk through the door. So anything else I need to share? Okay. So I want to have Raquel. Yeah, can you guys give her a hand? And I have to say, yeah. um, I'm here for three services, and the sermon, it's like God said, you better listen to this three times. You'll know what I'm talking about Amen. when you're here. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So we believe in Embrace so much that we're willing to send our own staff there. So Tara, come on up here. Um, you guys know I sent out a note, and Pastor Tara sent out a note um, on Thursday, and she's going to be stepping out into a new adventure that God has called her in from kids' ministry into the medical field. And one of the journeys on that path is through embrace. And so I'm going to let you kind of tell that story and just what your heart looks like, and we'll pray over you guys. So, um, yeah, I don't even really know where to start. About a month and a half ago, the Lord began speaking the word half to me. So I began praying through that and um, had a word spoken over me just out of the blue. Deidre, I think she's in here, said, um, I, I had a vision of you and your hair was cut in half. It was cut off and um, you had big, light and bouncy curls. And then the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, which you talk about that in your sermon today. Um, so, I mean, just like God does, he asks you to let go of one trapeze before he sends the next one. And that was the case for this situation. Um, he asked me to hand over kids ministry. It's been my, it's everything my family and I know um, to invest in the Reliance body, to, um, to pour into the kids here at Reliance. It's been truly an honor to be able to do that for the last almost nine years. And so, um, so many of you have walked on this journey with us and served, and I just appreciate all of you so much. And so I began to feel the calling to medicine, didn't really know what that looked like, and kind of dipped my toe in it a little bit, taking some classes, and um, God was like, whoosh, let's go down the rapids together. So um, kind of taking a journey I didn't expect to happen so soon, and i um, super excited about it. I've, I tell people I have no idea what God's doing, but I'm excited about it. So, um, so getting to partner with um, the team at Embrace has been just phenomenal. Just to sit in a room with um, clients, patients, watching the Holy Spirit guide the conversations to him and um, speak life over people that have maybe never had life spoken over them before has been just phenomenal. So, um, so yeah. Thank you, Tara. Can we give her a hand too? <clears throat> We're going we're gonna to have, I, I don't want to call it a going away party because Tara's still going to be deeply involved in the Reliance community. We're going to have a switching, switching jobs party uh, for her. We, we want you to hear this is the heartbeat of Reliance, that we, that we would share the gospel in such a way that you would go into your spheres of influence and that you would be so lit up by the love of God that if somebody says, man, I want to know more about Jesus, you wouldn't say, well, you should come to church with me. You would have church right there. Amen. That you, in that moment, you would share your heart, the truth with them, watch them get radically changed, start a Bible study, start a prayer group in your cubicle, I don't care. But listen, you don't have to bring them to church for them to understand who Jesus is. You carry him inside of your heart. And so if we can be more missionally minded to get people outside of the walls, that, that's what our heart is. So it's exciting to be able to do that, although we will miss the eight years, nine years that she's poured into kids ministry, she'll still be here. She'll still be checking on your kids, I promise you that. 
So if you would, church, would you extend a hand out? We're going to pray over these guys with Embrace and what the Lord is doing. So, Father, thank you for this team and this partnership that's going to be at Embrace together. God, thank you for the Father that every woman in, both as a counselor and just kind of a lead team member there. I pray, Father, that every woman, every man that comes through those doors, every couple that comes through those doors would know that they are truly valued by the King of Kings. I pray, Jesus, when those doors open, that they would feel a different atmosphere in that room because Holy Spirit, Spirit, you are so powerfully present there. I pray, Jesus, that those that come into that room, God, would know that they are loved, deeply, deeply loved. Lord, in those moments where Tara and Raquel are on this path, God, and there's challenges as well. There's challenges. Not everything same thing always feels like it's a victory. But God, I pray where the challenges come in that you would remind them that you have them and that ultimately you are sovereign over all and you have a plan and you have a purpose. So thank you, Jesus, for this team, for this couple. Pray, Jesus, that you would watch over them, protect their families. Thank you for the Embrace ministry in Wichita. God, as Tara continues down her path to become the physician's assistant that you've called upon her life, we pray, God, that you would open up every door that she needs to be open. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. One more hand, would you? One more. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Hello? Yep. There you go. If. You are overflowing with the love. So I don't know if you caught that, but. to go with it, come volunteer. Amen. So I don't know if you caught that, but if you're overflowing with the love of Jesus, everybody raise your hand, right? <laughs> then there's a place for you to get involved and, and be challenged at to, to use those gifting. So just encourage you guys in that. Um, also, just don't forget, like our, our primary purpose here, and, you know, obviously our, our goal is not to be so polished that we just can't be family together, but. We're, we're a house of prayer first and, and foremost. And so every month we put out calendars back there on the table, grab a calendar, pray every day with us. Let's be unified in prayer. Um, there's a call right now on Wichita um, and then Kansas. We're looking for 100,000 intercessors. 100,000 people that are going, man, I'm gonna lock arms with you guys all through the state of Kansas. We're gonna pray. We're gonna pray that God shifts and changes our nation to him, amen? And so we got to believe this together, church. And so I want you guys to be encouraged by what God is doing um, just all over the state right now. So uh, biggest question, how many love you some Jesus today? Yeah? Amen. Amen. We, we, we are excited. If you're a visitor, this is your first time here, welcome. Call ourselves a family. Believe we're family. We do life together in, in that way. Um, if you're regular, it's always good to have you guys here as well. Weeks. Um, and it's the word humility. Some of say humility. Turn to your neighbor and say, humble yourself. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. All right? Let, let, <laughs> humility. And, and I'll tell you why. There's, I, I think part of the problem with humility today is that we have such a desire to be right. We, we have such a desire to be right over anything else. Like my desire to be right so many times trumps my humility in what the Lord is calling me to do, which is usually just be quiet, Right? And I just, I want to be right. And so everybody, you got to, I'm going to attack social media today, by the way. You get on social media today or wherever, and everybody has an idea or a solution. And it doesn't matter if you think that you're right and they're wrong. You're going to tell them you're right, and you're going to tell them they're wrong without listening to one another. And we, we've just all got it. It's just like, let's argue over Facebook so nobody changes their mind, Right? It drives me absolutely crazy. And I just think a dose of humility right now in our culture and our society would go a long way. Paul tells us in Philippians 2, 3, 
He says, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And I would argue that whenever we're looking to do not do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others. Rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking out for your own interests, but for the interests of others. Church, I'm telling you, I believe that a message of humility, a dose of humility in our culture today would change where we're at. Amen? It it would absolutely begin to change where we are at. Just to clarify, I believe that, that God is amazing at everything. There's nothing that God isn't amazing at, okay? But I just sometimes in my own life, I feel like he is really, really amazing in helping to humble me. Amen? Anybody ever feel that way? Like, God, you are so good at all things. Why are you really good at humbling, right? I was uh, kind of developing the message over the last couple of weeks and, and uh, reminiscing with, with some of the staff members of times where I felt like the Lord just really, really humbled me. Grew up with brothers. Our whole life was all about competition, right? Little brother, older brother, we just really um, competitive. And so a little bit of pride swells up in you when that happens. A little bit of pride swells up. And so um, in my life, there's been times where uh, uh, a, a couple years back, I was in, uh, Matt was doing youth ministry. And I remember he called me and said, hey, why don't you come and speak at this youth conference? And, and then we're going to have games and inflatables and all these kinds of things. I was like, cool. And so um, showed up and I saw that they had a mechanical bull there. You guys remember that story? They had a mechanical bull. And I always had this dream that someday I was going to be a bull rider. All right. That dream has sailed. I'm just telling you. But I always had this dream, went to K-State, my roommate and I, we bought bull ropes, you know, we built the buck, you know, that is stupid, just stupid stuff. But we were wanting to be bull riders, and so showed up, and I start talking serious trash to the youth that I'm going to destroy them after I share the love of Jesus to them, all right? So I'm going to share the love of Jesus, I'm going to destroy you on the bull, all right? I'm going to go eight seconds. I remember getting on the bull, been talking trash the entire night. I get on there, and you, you nod to the guy, you know, and then he starts moving the joystick. He didn't even barely touch, touch the joystick. The bull barely started to move. It just goes, mm, and I fell off. <laughs> but I didn't just fall off. I fell off, and somehow I tweaked my back. And I laid on the mat and all the kids were like, oh, that was terrible. You didn't even stay on for a half a second. And I got up and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember looking at Matt. I made eye contact with Matt and it was like a desperate plea of help me, I'm broken right now. And I walked off and I, I did, I dislocated something. I mean, truly, it was, the wor- it, was, it was terrible. I feel like an idiot just telling you. And I got into my car. He had to help me into my car. I drove home, pulled into the garage. I called my wife from the garage. I said, come and get me. She goes, where are you? I go, I'm in the garage. She goes, what are you doing in the garage? I don't know. I can't move my back. She goes, what were you doing? I said, I was bull riding, which made it sound really manly, right? And then she saw the video and she says, no, no, you weren't, right? It was one of the most humbling moments. But that had, like, that had kind of been like the story of my life. Like thinking I could do something and not being able to do it. Anybody there? Like don't leave me hanging. Anybody do that? Okay. And the Lord just begins to show me so many times in my life, the thing that rises up that absolutely brings me down more than anything else is pride. More than anything else, it's just simply pride. And here's the issue. Humility for me, I'm just telling you how I was, and I think it's for all of us. Humility is not something that comes natural. It just doesn't come natural. In fact, it has to be worked at. Humility is an unnatural quality that requires our pursuit. 
I'll tell you what I mean by that. From the time that you are, are born, you don't have to teach a, a two-year-old to, to say mine. They just, something in them says mine, 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 right? It becomes like this selfishness within them. So there's something about our nature in sin before we come into Christ that our natural tendency is that humility is not necessarily part of our life. And then we get wrecked by the Lord's love and Jesus comes in and then it becomes something that we're called to live out in our life. In fact, I would say that it requires our pursuit and then when it requires our pursuit that God gives us a promise with it. In Matthew 5, 5, Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's given the Beatitudes. It's a beautiful picture of the Lord's heart. And all of a sudden, Matthew 5, 5, he says, God blesses those who are humble. Listen to this for they will inherit the whole earth. The promise of humility is an inheritance of the whole earth. Look, we wanna fix the world today. We wanna fix solutions. We wanna have an idea of, of what's happening out there that's broken. We gotta humble ourselves. We, we, we want the answer. He's telling us right here, blessed are those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And this isn't easy to preach, and I'm telling you, humility is not an easy thing, because if I've asked you, like, you know, what's the Lord been stirring in your life? Like, what is it that he's doing in your life? And you just say, well, I just really feel like this deep-rooted humility taking hold of my life. I'm like, really? Like, you just said, like, you're, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. Like, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, Moses says this. Now, the man Moses was very meek and humble, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. You know who wrote Numbers? Moses. Moses is going, I was the most humble man on planet earth. I'm like, really, were you? Because you just wrote that you were, all right? We press in at, at times and we're looking for this humility within us, but it can't be because we're trying harder to be humble. It has to be something supernatural in our life through the Holy Spirit's power at work in our life. Humility comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. As we kind of press in, there seems to be a key word that, that I believe that when we're trying to operate in the kingdom of God, when Jesus comes and begins to proclaim the kingdom, there was something that was marking his life that was so countercultural to the rest of the world. And what was marking his life was humility. Here's this guy who can do crazy miracles, a guy who can out like talk anybody when it comes to theology or the doctrine of the day or whatever it is. The, the wise teachers were amazed at his words. Nobody could, could juke him on any of the words. Nobody could, could not neglect the fact that he's got this power within him. And yet Jesus walked in humility when he was scorned from town to town. He's walked humble. And I believe that there was something about that that he was trying to teach us for his kingdom. Uh, Graham Cook has a great word on this when it talks about operating in the kingdom of God. He says, the church is on a collision course with the kingdom right now. And it's not about how we can fit the kingdom of God into what we are doing. Forget that because God is not going to lower himself to fit into what we are doing. What he is going to do is he is going to expand our understanding of the kingdom and then stretch everything that we do as a community so that we fit into everything heaven wants to do on earth. We try to take these things of God and somehow like fit it into what I feel is comfortable and the context that I feel is comfortable. And I love this word. God's not trying to lower himself that somehow his kingdom becomes more palatable in my life. That somehow his kingdom becomes a little bit more comfortable for my life. God is going to expand my heart and expand my mind or whatever to be able to look into his kingdom and go, I've got to change and transform my life into his. 
So to, to understand why humility is so important, sometimes we got to do a little compare and contrast. And, and uh, so the opposite of humility is what? Pride. So as you look at scripture, you, you see uh, pride seems to be, has a tendency or looks like it was probably one of the first sins that we can kind of read about. And, and some would argue because of that, it's probably a root that pride is probably a root to most sin in our life. And you read this all through scripture. Proverbs 16.5 is one indication, one place. It says, the Lord detests. Some translation says hates. The Lord detests or hates the proud. They will surely be punished. Look, that's heavy language, amen? That's heavy language when you, when you read that and you see that, that God doesn't just not like it a little bit, but that God really detests pride. He talks about lots of sin, but he doesn't mince words when it comes to pride. And I would argue too that Jesus, Jesus spent more time in rebuke of the religious leaders, right, that were, that, were, that were full of pride, a little pompous in their heart, and less time trying to, the, the drunkard and the prostitute and, and the tax collector, he spent more time rubbing elbows with them with the love of, of God than he did with these religious leaders who were full of pride in their life. So we see this throughout scripture. In fact, David, King David, who was called a friend of God, and there's only a few guys that were called a friend of God in scripture. King David committed adultery. King David had Bathsheba's husband put on the front lines, and so he was murdered. And yet out of all the things, and, and there was some punishment for that, but of all the things that God's anger just kind of boiled over on was something that David did that he knew he wasn't supposed to do. David took a census of Israel to see what his strength was. Look what I've created. Look at my army. Look at the people. Look what we've become. And God's like, I'm gonna put a stop to that. And then there was a wrath of God that blew through. David allowed pride in that moment to sink into his heart, cried out to God, and obviously God is a forgiving God. But you can see that pride is a big deal in Scripture. In fact, back to, to, to that original, maybe possibly that original sin, we learn about Satan's fall in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 12. We know that Satan, who was called Lucifer, was an angel in heaven, uh, probably an archangel from what we read about. Some kind of, he had a beauty to him, had a high position, and then something happened eons ago or however long ago, whatever that time looks like to the Lord. And this is what we read in Isaiah chapter 14. Listen to this. He's talking about Lucifer, talking about Satan. How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been to yourself. So there was something in, in, in Satan's mind where he began to say to himself, didn't even necessarily say it out loud, but God knows every thought, amen? You said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. Don't say that, amen? I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. There was something that stirred in, in Lucifer's heart, Satan's heart, in a moment where he was going to himself. He's thinking about to himself, I wonder what it would be like if, if, if I could just ascend a little higher or maybe even equal to God. I wonder what that would be like. And all of a sudden that pride began to take root in his heart and he began to wage war against God. And in verse 15 it says, instead you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. So God tells him how it's going to end for him. We have this picture where just this little root of pride begins to sink in, or maybe it's a big root of pride begins to sink in, 
begin to covet. Maybe it was God's position, God's authority, God's glory just a little bit. He was irritated that he had to serve God. He wanted accolades a little bit for himself. I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't want some accolades? Who doesn't want the occasional pat on the back? Come on, right? And so you're looking at Satan going, just want a little bit of glory. Just want a little bit of glory. Just want a little bit of glory. And you look at that story and you're like, man, what was he thinking? How stupid could he be? And then you look at it and you go, oh, man, that sounds pretty familiar in our world. Just want it my way. Just want, want the glory. Just want it for myself. Thomas Aquinas wrote that inordinate self-love, that this, this inordinate self-love within us is the cause of every sin. And if you think about Satan's strategy for humanity for thousands of years, it's been to simply steer people away from the one focus of the one true God. Amen? Look, look what the psalmist says in Psalms 10.4. In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. I believe that so many times Satan's influence and this false sense is to just get us to be self-sufficient to where we're not gonna seek God, we're gonna do it our own way, we're gonna use our own wisdom, we're gonna go after it in our own thoughts, and therefore we're gonna be right in whatever we say. There, so that I'm just pulled it out. This is what I think, and y'all should listen to me. I'm gonna put a nice little graph there so that I'm just pulled it out. It's not even a true graph, but I'm gonna put it up there, right? And this is what we do. We go after our own wisdom so that we can be right in our own way so that maybe somebody goes, wow, that's awesome, you're great. Rather than in humility backing off and going, there's only one true thing that I know and that's Jesus Christ and his word. This is my graph. This is it. This is what I'm gonna post. This is what I'm after. And in humility then, we can let the Lord do the rest of the work through Holy Spirit's power. So there's something about humility I believe that scripture is trying to get us to lock into and believe into because if we start to believe the lie and start to fall into pride, pride is where jealousy begins to build up in us and we want God's glory for ourselves. Pride is where we begin to build up and then self-dependency comes in and we come to a place of going, I just don't know if I need you in this one, God. Why don't you set this one out? How starkly different was the life of Jesus and how he lived. So somewhere we have to latch onto this idea and to this truth and be careful that our pride that wells up within us is that we don't miss what Jesus is truly doing. I just really believe with all of my heart that a humble people of God can shift the nations for him. I wanna say that again. I believe with all of my heart that a humble people of God can shift the nations back to him. Let me tell you why I believe that, because we pray that all the time. What is it, 2 Corinthians? Where it says, if my people who are called by my name, or not 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Did you notice that he didn't say if all people, he said if my people called by my name. So it starts right here with believers, amen? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways. And he talks about that he will heal the land. And so I believe that there's a humility that we need to capture in God's heart if we truly want to shift the nation back to him. We read about these. I'm going to kind of share out of Matthew 11:28 for just a minute. That Tara was just sharing that a second ago. We get to see a picture of the heart of Jesus in Matthew 11:28. He says this. 
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, anytime that you see in scripture where Jesus says, learn from me, you need to underline that and then see what's following, amen? So he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Well, what are we gonna learn? He says, for I am gentle and what? Humble in heart. Is this not countercultural where we're at right now? Jesus says the way that we are to approach people, the way that we are to live in this life is that we are to be gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Now, let me, let me just tell you right now, I don't want you to get confused here. This is not a sign of weakness of the King of Kings. I read in my book in Revelation that Jesus is riding on a white horse with a sword that comes out of his mouth to strike down anyone before him, amen? I'm talking about King Jesus who's come back. This is not a sign of weakness. This is Jesus going, you can be a warrior and gentle and humble at the same time. So I'm telling you right now, church, that when he says, learn from me, there's something about gentleness and humbleness with the word of God that changes the nations, that shifts people's hearts. But here I am, so bent on being right, just a window to my soul. I think about my wife and I for just a minute. There's times where we are locked in an argument, like one time every 10 years, right? Like we, <laughs> amen? Amen. I think she's in the 11 o'clock service. I'm gonna use that one later. So there's, so, so we're locked in an argument and at some point in time, 99% of the time in that argument, there's a point where she'll say something and in that moment I'm like, oh my gosh, she's right. She did tell me that and I totally forgot. And I'm having this conversation in my mind. And I've got two directions. At that moment, I could stop, humble my heart, apologize, baby, you are so right, I'm so sorry, totally forgot you said that, or live in the flesh on the other side, which is I gotta ride this thing out as long as I can, and maybe she'll back off, right? And, and then I'm gonna live with that guilt, but I ain't gonna live with the I told you so, amen? <laughs> like, that's what my flesh wars with, even though in my heart, in my spirit, the Lord is saying, in that moment, you can humble yourself. I wonder how many times we're in debates, I'm putting Facebook on blast again, but we're in debates thinking we're gonna change somebody's mind, and rather than just back off in humility and trust and say, Lord, I know your word is truth and you'll convict the heart. I wonder how many times we just backed off, the Lord wouldn't do more work than we could do. So, so he says, learn from me, I'm gentle and I'm humble. And then he tells us what, then he said, attitude we're supposed to have. So it's not just be gentle and humble. Then he says, look what your attitude should be like. Philippians 2, 5, right? It's the, it's the famous one that we love to read. And he says, you must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Somebody say must have. Somebody say must have. Is must have optional? There's something about scripture I think that we have to war with, especially in American Christianity, where sometimes we think scripture is optional and not. Hello. You must have, it's not optional. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave or a servant. Look what he says. And was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself. There's a lot of humility in this thing. 
He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, because of that, because he was willing, because of that humility, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor, gave him the name above all other names. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me just tell you the heart of Jesus. He knows when people are going to walk away. He knows in that moment that we're going to share the gospel and some people are going to receive it and some people may not. But in that moment, Jesus isn't worried about you starting a big war with the person. He isn't worried about if they accept it or not because he knows at the end of the age there's going to be knees on the ground from every single person in this world and they're going to confess that he is Lord and Savior. And yet I spend my time, once again, confession going, I will change you. Knowing that Maybe what's going to change is the humility in our hearts and letting the Holy Spirit do his work. This is so countercultural, church. Holy cow, we've got a lot to go. This is so countercultural in doing it God's way versus doing it, doing it our way. I want to say this about humility because I think this is important. Humility, and there, there, there's a disclaimer, and I've shared this a few times years ago, is that sometimes we think of humility as being like a doormat. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, I've got to be humble, got to be walked on, whatever. Humility is not seeing yourself as less than. True humility is agreeing with God what he says about you, nothing more, nothing less. I, I love, I love what, what Beth Moore said on this one time. She says, beware of the fact that pride often disguises itself. For example, I have known people who thought they were too far gone to save, too wicked, too sinful. Such people would be shocked to hear that their attitude is a form of pride as well. They think their sin problem is bigger than God. It's not humility to make yourself garbage or identify in any way of going, well, you know, I'm just a sinful person who can never make it. Bill Johnson says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less, right? So, so humility is one of those things where we get a picture of how God views us. Sons, daughters of the king of kings, prodigal road running down when we turn, prodigal road running down when we turn and we come back to him, he's there to meet us. Clothe us in our fi his finest, put rings on our, whatever that looks like, and he invites us back in, into the home. Not as servants, but as sons and daughters, and so we have a role to play in this thing. Today, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be more humble today, right? Because when you say, I'm gonna be more humble today, I promise you there's a big target on you, enemy's gonna start coming. Everything's gonna wait. Like, this just happened. We were on a float trip on Saturday, right? We were on a float trip on Saturday. I coated my kids in sunscreen on this float trip. And they're like, dad, you gonna put sunscreen? I'm like, your dad doesn't need sunscreen. I've got a tattoo of a uh, sunburn where I ha my hat was backwards right here, and I'm fried from here down. Just want you to know, all right? So I had to swallow some humble pie in, in that. I'm telling you right now, we have a role to play in humility. It's not just saying, I'm going to try to be more humble today. Here's how we become more humble. We put on humility from Jesus Christ. Listen to what the word says. Galatians 3.27 says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. So you say put on. Romans 13.14 uses the same language. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, if I'm trying to do humility in my own way, if I'm just going to try in Aaron's way, Aaron, be more humble today, I'm going to fail miserably. 
But if I can put on Jesus, he's my affections of my heart, my eyes are geared towards him, what I'm going to do today, he's my activity, I'm going to go to work, but he's it, I'm going to keep my eyes locked and loaded on him, he's the one that I want. When I can keep my eyes fixed on him and put him on, then what's probably going to come out of me is his humility. And what the world needs is his humility coming out of us, coming out of us. So, so what does this look like? Uh, real quickly, we've got to understand our own weaknesses. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. Like apart from God, he tells us in, in the vine of the branch, apart from God, you can do nothing. This is the point of acknowledging our weaknesses. We walk in humility knowing we need him. True humility is an absolute all-out abandonment, not 99%, 100% dependence on God. Tim Keller says this, accepting the gift of Jesus Christ requires humility because you're admitting that you can't save yourself by your own means. And then once we kind of come to that place of, Lord, I'm weak, you're strong in you, I get your strength. Once we come to that place, then, and this is my favorite thing to talk about in here, we talk about it all the time, we never lose the awe of God. Somebody say awe. 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 Okay, that's good. We never lose the awe of God. Like we understand that in humility, God is big and vast and massive, and yet he sees me. David's cry in Psalm 8 was, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? David's like, when you, you've made all of this, like I look out into the sky, you hung every star in this place, who am I? And there's something about that where he's like, I'm small, you're big, but yet you think of me as a son. It's huge, mind-blowing. Isaiah 66 uses the same language, one and two. This is what the Lord says, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. No, look what he says. These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. It's like, you can't hold me in a building. There's no mega church that's big enough that's gonna try to hold my presence. But you wanna know the one that I look on with favor? The one who walks in humility, the one with the contrite spirit and the one who trembles at my word. That's the one that I'm gonna dwell in, amen, church? That's the one that I want to spend my time. You can't make a building big enough for me. But you can get a heart that walks in humility with a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. So what do we got to let go of? Two things. Ego. Somebody say ego. We got to let go of our ego. We are born a bit self-centered. I told you earlier, a two-year-old doesn't need to be told, um, hey, you need to tell that person that's yours. They'll tell them, right? Mine, mine. We gotta let go of that self-centered nature that we are born with when we come into Christ, that it's not about me. Galatians 2.20, life verse, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I no longer live. When we come into Christ, we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. The second thing we gotta look to and what wars against humility is our successes. No one wants to fail, everyone wants to succeed in life, and I get that, but I can tell you this, we learn far more from our failures than we do our successes, amen? We need to realize that anything that we get that's in success is because of Jesus. And the failures that we experience in our life is to get us back into Jesus. So here's my challenge to us today, church, because I think it's an important one. Does the world see the church right now walking in humility? Or are we just so bent on being right? Look, look I will defend the faith with the word of God all day long. I'll put it out there all day. You, the world can say this, this is what God says, this is the truth to me, we're gonna go forward in that. I, I believe that we do have a mandate to put the truth out there because the truth sets people free, but the way they receive the truth is Holy Spirit's work in their life. And he's sharing the good news about the kingdom of God and some people receive it and some people don't. And I'm just wondering, because we don't hear about this in scripture, but I'm wondering how many people in this town watch Jesus share this word, they didn't receive it, they watch Jesus go to the next town, do some miracles, love on people, love on people that were the outcasts of society. I wonder about how many of those people watched him walk it out, which he preached to them, and then decided, you know what? I want to live my life in that guy. And so maybe they were part of the ones that began to follow him. Humility, if, if love is the epicenter of Christianity, without love we're just a noisy clang, a symbol. If love is the epicenter of Christianity, humility is in the way in which we walk that out. So church, we can change our nation. We can change our nation. And it starts with the church believing wholeheartedly in the Word of God and walking it out in humility. Because the first thing that I see on social media, I'm telling you everything in me wants to go and blast. Because all I see is the words. Jesus sees the person on the other side of the screen and He sees their heart. Where they've been wounded, where they've been scarred, where they've been hurt, where they've somehow, maybe religion was used to beat them down. Jesus sees their heart. All I see is the words, Jesus sees them. So I wanna be a place, puts it out there, Jesus loves you, here's what his word says, and then in humility just say, praying that Jesus works this out in you. And yeah, amen, let's pray. Father, today I, I pray for a church who believes that humility, humility can change a nation. And it seems so countercultural because we like we we want to cry, let's fight, here's the battle. But what if the fight in the battle is exactly the countercultural nature of what your word says, where we love our enemies, and when they persecute, we heap blessing upon them. And it's like burning coals, Father, and that what we do, Jesus, is we walk this thing out in humility and we trust Holy Spirit that you're big enough and that Jesus said that when you come, that you would lead people into all truth. So Jesus, we submit to your authority, we submit to who you are, and submit to what it is that you desire to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand up. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.